0: Show me the way to go home. That is Luke's favorite phrase, the way. And why does he keep using the way? Because we need a way. We need a way home. We need a way to live life. We need a way, man. And so here's Johnny is the next part in Uncle Luke's storyline. Here's Johnny from the hill country to the wilderness around the River Jordan. Zach and Liz's kid is all grown up and he is rocking the world. He was born to rock the world to get everybody ready for God's main event. And so here's Johnny. Welcome to the Biblical Channel. Always glad somebody's showing up because, well, we need to read our Bibles, we need to say our prayers, and we need to get together and talk God, man. Get your favorite beverage, get your favorite whatever, together and do some God talking. That's the whole aim and objective. That's all we're trying to do is get people talking about God. Why? Well, because God has the best story that's ever been played out. I absolutely am thankful for CNN. No, not CNN. That not that one. No. I'm not thankful for CNN. I'm thankful for ESPN for running this great commercial about college football. But they talk about college football as being the greatest story ever played. And then they go on to talk about how great stories, you know, have drama, action and love and and how that love, you know, makes you do crazy things. And it gives you people to root for who are oftentimes underdogs. And, you know, and every once in a while, there's a miracle or two. And I'm thinking about that uh, from a Pittsburgher's point of view, that miraculous, immaculate reception by Franco Harris. God rest his soul. But anyhow, these stories, the best stories, are what we're made of. And great stories is exactly what God's point is, to give us the greatest story so that we can see how he plays it out. So that we can understand how we get played out and how we should be playing out this world that we live in. God wants us to wring the chamois of life out to the best of our absolute ability. And God gives us the best story ever. So if for whatever reason you know somebody that doesn't think about the Bible as the best story, you got to get on to talking about God to help them out, to help them, you know, on the way, to to, you know, find the way home, to uh, you know, find the right way to live life, man full of happiness, full of joy. That's my motto. Nothing makes me happier than God. I love being born in America. I really do. I love the ideas of freedom and equality um, and that human beings you know, have to control government. I love that. But guess what? Guess where those ideas come from? The Bible, no place other. Well, that's a whole other topic. But before we go any further, let's just pray the way that peasant girl Mary prayed that God gave us. All of us tough guys ought to be praying exactly the way that peasant girl, Mary, prays. And she prays like this. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. He who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Mercy is for those who fear him. Generation to generation, he has shown his strength with his arm. He scatters the proud in the thoughts of their hearts, and he brings down the mighty from their thrones and exalts those of humble estate. Oh, man, that is our God. And then Jesus comes along and says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Bam. All right, let's just do what we're supposed to do, and that's read a Bible, man. Let's read a Bible, talk about it, and have a good think about it, and then pass it on. Tell somebody else about it. So our passage comes in Luke chapter 3. And uh, it's the first, you know, half of chapter three or first part. It's like for verse one to 20 something. I, I forget what, what, where, where we ended up here. 20 something. You'll, you'll get, you open up your Bible and you'll, you'll see what the number is. But anyhow, it goes like this. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea and Herod being Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip Tetrarch of the region of uh, Itaria and Traconate and Lysanias, Tetrarch of Abilene. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to Johnny! That's right, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. And he went into the region around the Jordan, proclaiming the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make, the, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. He said, uh, therefore, to the crowds who came out to be baptized him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not say to yourselves that we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able to raise up stones to be Abraham's children. Even now the axe is being laid to the root of the trees, and every tree, therefore, does not bear fruit, is cut down and thrown into the fire. The crowds asked him what are we to do? And he said, whoever has two tunics, let him uh, give one to somebody who has none and do the same thing with food. Um, Tax collectors said, uh, who were being baptized, came to him and said, teacher, what do we do? And he said, well, don't collect more than you're authorized to collect. And then there were soldiers who were being baptized and they came to John and they said, what are we to do? And he says, don't extort money from anybody. Uh, with your threats and false accusations. Be content with your wages, man. People were in expectation, and all were questioning in their own hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ. John answered them, and he says, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, and I am not worthy of uh, to untie his sandal straps. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor. Gather the wheat into the barn, but the chaff, he is going to burn it up. So with many uh, exhortations, he preached good news to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, and he locked up John in prison. Now, when people were being baptized and when Jesus, when Jesus also uh, had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened. The Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven and said, you are my beloved son with you. I am well pleased. (laughs) as far as we're going to go. All right. So this next scene that opens up is getting us to the main event. Um, The whole opening part of Luke has been getting us prepared for the main event. And the main event, of course, spoiler alert, is Jesus Christ. Yeshua, if uh, you were living in those times, that's what you would have called him. You wouldn't have called him Jesus. That came to us from the English. Drives me nuts a little bit, but it's what we're left with. Um, people make fun of us for saying it. But um, but anyhow, Yeshua, Jesus, uh, is the main event that Uncle Luke has been preparing us for, and we are super close. In fact, we're, we're going to get to it, But but uh, but first on the scene is Johnny. Here comes Johnny. And and when Luke opens up with this kind of list of who's in charge, first of all, Caesar Augustus is dead, so the next Caesar on the scene is Tiberius. And there's two points that um, Luke is making when he gives the kind of historical setting here: that Pontius Pilate's governor of um, Judea, Herod, uh, you know, his brother Philip, Traconius. These are the, uh, the the supposed Israelite leaders, you know, involved under Rome's thumb. There's a point that Luke is making in one, and it's a point that, that we have to get right with the Bible. Every time, If we're ever going to read the Bible right, we've got to, first of all, take the history that it's giving us and understand that there is a history. Um, there is a real live audience um, that is hearing these words for the very first time in a real setting. So the Bible doesn't The Bible is not written in some sort of like fairy tale language, like in a land far away or when dogs could talk. No, the Bible is written in human history terms, and we've got to come to term with that, you know? Um, And so Luke has given us that historical setting. Good stuff. But there's also a literary arts to what Luke is doing. And don't miss this point, because the literary combined with the historical comes through with, bam, a big punch. And the big punch that that Lucas, Uncle Luke is making with us here in his story that he's telling us, he's thinking, think of all these big shots, think of Tiberius Caesar, think of Pontius Pilate, think of you know Herod and his uh, you know yin yang brothers. These are the pompous elite that are in control of the Roman Empire around God's story. That's. About to break loose, and this has been the kind of theme in the mantra that that has been going on really from Luke's opening scene that god god is 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 you know not interested in the pompous and the pedantic and the pricks of this world that are in charge. no no, 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 who is God going to give his word to the big shots? No, he's going to give his word to Johnny hillbilly Johnny is the one who gets the Word of God, and the Word of God comes to Hillbilly Johnny. <laughs> I love it. I love it already. I'm sucked into the story, man, because I love stories about hillbillies. And and Johnny is literally born in the hill country. He is literally born of Zechariah and Elizabeth, as we've all already been told. They were in the hill country. And, and uh, not only that, but then Zechariah at some point moved out to uh, the outskirts, you know, which is the wilderness, the deserts, the wilderness around the Jordan River. And so Luke's big point is, is that this is how God rolls. God does not roll with the, you know, the rings on their finger type. Look at me, I've got rings on my fingers. But he doesn't roll with the, you know, the flashy, um, you know, pompous elite. No, 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 Johnny's word of God. Johnny's word of God is for the hillbillies, for the backwater folk. And Johnny is going to play this thing out exactly the way God told him to. He's the hillbilly that he picked for the job. Um, and and so also, you know, pay careful attention as to the way Luke puts all of this. Uncle Luke tells us that, you know, Johnny. Gets the word of God. The word of God has come to Johnny. We were told that Johnny was filled with the Holy Spirit, but but once again, we're we're if we read carefully, we see that being filled with the Holy Spirit and the word of God coming to Johnny is no different than us. It's a matter of understanding the words that God has been bringing to the world around. And so Johnny's word of God is literally the Hebrew Bible, what we might call the Old Testament, but the Hebrew Bible is what Johnny knows. Johnny's been studying. And how does Johnny know the Hebrew Bible? Well, Johnny's got good parents who knew the Hebrew Bible, and, and, and parents are supposed to study together. And so Johnny heard the Word of God being taught in his family um, from Zechariah and from Elizabeth. He also probably had plenty of times to, to listen to the other rabbis in the synagogue teach, as, as, as Elizabeth and Zechariah took Johnny. To the synagogue, and they were super old, so they might have died, you know, but Johnny ends up out in the wilderness, but still that wilderness um, you know where Johnny is, he's not alone, he's with other people and and he's in Bible study buddy he is he is getting the Word of God in a very natural way in a way that you and I would get the Word of God and can get the Word of God if we just read our Bibles and do that well, but I also have to wonder if Johnny didn't have the ultimate of study buddies because remember who Johnny's second cousin is. And and remember, Johnny knows who his second cousin is, and Johnny knows that his big role in this world is to point out that his second cousin, Jesus, is the one that he is to point to. So I have a feeling, I have a feeling, I don't think it's, you know, it doesn't say it exactly, but I have a feeling that Johnny's study buddy Not only was his mom and dad and some others in the community, you know, the the religious leaders, you know, around that he had been exposed to, you know, at the temple or in the synagogue, you know, outside of town or inside of town, doesn't matter, but he also probably had the study buddy of Jesus himself. You know, their cousins, their second cousins, you know, Mary went right to Elizabeth's place as soon as she found out that Elizabeth was pregnant and she was pregnant. So so I imagine, you know, there was some family get-togethers, you know, at times, and, and I imagine that Johnny and, well, Jesus, you know, got together and, and talked about the scriptures together. And that's another important point, because the, the, this part of the Bible is going to make the point that Jesus seems to understand himself from the Hebrew Bible too, that he doesn't, you know, always employ the supernatural for his understanding. He uses, as we've already been told, you know, this, this, you know, Jesus is, is a good student. He's been listening to the scriptures. I have no doubt that there was something really, you know, very special about Jesus hearing the Bible being read and hearing that as, you know, because let's not forget Jesus is God. um The cat's already been out of the bag. You know, Mary, his mother has had a miraculous conception, not a miraculous reception like Frank O'Harris. No, no, no. She has a miraculous conception. That means that God himself has been involved in the child that Mary is carrying supernaturally, you know, in God's way. So, but the Bible's not overdoing this miracle stuff. You know, Jesus seems to be raised like a normal person in Bible study, like a normal person, and comes to his soul and self-awareness like a normal person can and should. And Johnny, I'm quite sure, spent some time with Jesus. Okay, that's my speculation, but let's not forget that Johnny's big job, Johnny's big job that is ahead of him has been made known to him by his mom and dad. And I'm you know, I'm sure by some others because they're very familiar with Johnny's story. But Johnny's big job really comes from the scriptures, from the Hebrew Bible. And so that's why, you know, the book of Isaiah is emphasized here that Johnny is stepped right into the words of the book of Isaiah. And he said, I'm here to play out the words of the prophets. I'm here to play it out. His big job is to help everybody see the salvation of, of God, as the book of Isaiah says, that every you know valley shall be filled and every mountain prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight, you know, so that all flesh can see the salvation of God. And the way that people see the salvation of God is by two things from Johnny's perspective. Johnny is is to preach the word of God. He is to preach the word that God has given in the Hebrew Bible. He is to preach to people what they should already know because they've got the scriptures too. So, so we might say that Johnny's big job is to, is to preach to the choir, to get people fired up, to get people, you know, focused on, on what God has been saying all along. So Johnny's big job is to actually just preach the word, you know, the words that he have been given to him. But his other big job is to point out the real word of God, and the real word of God is the person of Jesus Christ. So that's his secondary job is pointing to Jesus, but not yet. Right now, we're giving a a, a kind of a summary of how Johnny preached the word, you know. And and uh, we might say that Johnny, you know, in in today's uh, society of of snowflakes and buttercups, you know, Johnny probably wouldn't have been well received now. And I don't know how well he was received then either. Some, some clearly responded just the way some people respond today. But the majority probably didn't like they would today. And I think they'd be offended, you know, because because Johnny seems to start off his talk in front of the audience by saying, you brood of vipers, who told you about the wrath of God? And that's kind of a rhetorical question. You know, it's a good, he's a good speaker. You know, he drops that in. You know, everybody knows where, where, where to, you know, be warned uh, from the wrath of God to come. And that's from the Bible itself. The Bible itself makes this point very clear that the creator of the universe is the judge of the universe. And the creator of this world is the judge of this world. And so John is saying the scriptures have always pointed this out to us. Isaiah pointed this out to us. Every prophet pointed this out to us. The Bible is at pains to point the simple fact out. God made the world and he judges the world. Both things are his to do and not ours. We can't make the world and we can't judge the world, but God can. And so it's kind of a rhetorical, you know, like, you know, who told you to come here? Well, the Bible told us to come here. Johnny, we think that you're up to the right thing. And then, you know, so he's kind of rough on the crowds. You know, he's he's not uh, handling them with he's not giving them some sort of self-help talk. No, no, no. He's giving them, you know, the the brute, honest facts. But it's not harsh because it's good news. The idea that God is going to judge the world is actually good news. I, I've got, I, you know, here's the way I would put it: If 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 people can't handle the idea that God is the judge, then I think they're using their brain like a toddler uses their brain. If you're an adult. And you have some sort of belief in God, then you want God to judge this world. You don't want humans to judge this world. You want God to judge this world because he's the only one who's going to be able to do it right. And so the idea of God judgment and him judging the world um, and setting the world straight is a relief. It's a good news. It's not a bad news, but it gets us in the mind to understand God. And if, if, if we don't have that in our mind to understand God, we're not going to get much. You know, we're not going to get much. So, anyhow, Johnny preaches, you know, from that Hebrew Bible, from the book of Isaiah, from other places like this. And the substance of his message or summary substance of his message is what Uncle Luke is giving us here, you know. And he's basically telling them bear fruits in keeping with repentance. That's all. So, you know, and people seem to be saying, like, good Lord, what does that mean? He's like, come on, man. You know what that means. He said, first of all, don't be running around saying that you're Abraham's children and thinking that, you know, being an ethnically you know, tied group of people to Abraham is what God was after. Don't pretend that. But we also know that that must have been a problem. You know, many people in the the Jewish community in the community of Israel were thinking to themselves that they were super special just because they were ethnically part of Abraham. And and Johnny's saying, listen, that 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 was never God's message to you. God's only message to you was that you were the people that should understand. The faith that Abraham had in God, the faith that Abraham had in God is the message of Abraham, not the ethnicity of Abraham. And so John is saying, take the ethnicity of Abraham off the table because God could turn rocks into the children of Abraham. What it means to be a child of Abraham is to be someone who has faith like Abraham. Well, anyhow, he goes on in his message and he, and he makes it very clear that that we've got to get our minds right because you know the axe of god is going to land on the roots of trees that are not bearing fruit bear fruit in keeping with repentance and then uncle luke tells us you know you know what it actually means what does it mean to bear fruit in keeping with repentance well it's not hard that's the first point. This stuff ain't rocket science. You know, science and and it's not like you know going away into a monastery or doing anything. It's real world stuff. What does it look like to to bear, you know, fruit in line with repentance? Well, be giving and generous. You know, if you got an extra tunic, give it to somebody who doesn't have it. And the same thing goes with food. Be generous to people if you read your Hebrew Bible right, you should get the message loud and clear. God has created a people so that his people would be generous to other people. And then he goes on, you know, and then we get the mouth of the tax collector who's, who's nervous. And he's like, what do I do? He's like, "What well, just stop taking more money from people. But it's not the tax collectors. You know, this is like the, the chief thing about human beings. Stop stealing from one another stop hustling each other. Stop taking money from each other. That, you know, that's where this world is, is, is jacked up. And then the soldiers step in. They're like, well, what do we do? And he's like, stop using your power inappropriately, you know, stop bullying people and stop using your power to extort people and control people. Stop the nonsense, man. Come on, this isn't hard stuff. What it looks like to to be in line or bear fruits with repentance is just be nice to people, be generous to people. This is what God's after. Stop taking other people's money. Stop using power in all the wrong ways. Be good people. We might say this is Johnny Be Good's message, right? Johnny Be Good has a message. Be good. You know, it's just that easy. Well, anyhow, uh, people started getting, you know, like confused and they're like, hmm, I wonder if John's the Messiah. John's like, hold the door. I am not the Messiah. I've made this clear. I am not the Messiah. The Messiah is coming and I'm going to point him out to you. But the Messiah, that's not me. No, no, no. I'm just a guy that's got water, you know, and we're all baptizing and playing games in water. You know, we're pretending you know, to, to kind of show we know what it means to, to go underwater and to die to ourselves and come out somebody new, somebody who's freshly looking at God, you know, with their Bibles in hand. Um, and, and, and John says, I just got water, you know, but the one I'm going to point out to you has the Holy Spirit and has judgment. So the Messiah that I'm going to point out to you has salvation, and I'm going to show him to you. But the words, you know, have already been given to us. We ought to be expecting to see salvation, and we also ought to be expecting to see judgment. And the one, who, the Messiah who I'm going to point out to you has both salvation and judgment. The Spirit of God is the message of salvation. The judgment of God is the fire that he's talking about. And so it's just getting people serious. you got to get serious listen, there is nothing that brings happiness to your life like getting serious with God. Getting serious with God actually makes you more happy. Getting serious with God actually allows you to really understand good news. So anyhow, Johnny's big message is, you know, I'm not the guy, but I'm going to point him out to you. And I'm preaching to you what he's going to preach to you too, but he's going to live it out because he's going to be the man. And so Johnny exits the story because he gets in Dutch with Herod, and Herod doesn't like the message of Johnny. Herod doesn't like guys like Johnny because Johnny points out, you know, to Herod, you know, you're wrong to have taken your brother's wife, and he gave her a name Herodias, man, like after yourself, but you were wrong to do that. And Johnny has been awkwardly telling, you know, the big shots of the world, you're wrong brothers you're wrong you're just wrong well guess what whenever you get up into the nose and into the face of the rich and the powerful guess what they do they put you away that's the real world baby that's the way it works right now we see that going on all around us but this is this is the world that Johnny's in too and so Johnny gets locked up and thrown into prison and and you know what Johnny's cool with that we may not be cool with that but Johnny's cool with that And Johnny actually probably knows that he has to exit the stage in order for the true, the true moment, the main event to be known. And so it comes out quite subtly, but the main event happens in that last paragraph. The main event is that all these people being baptized, Jesus comes onto the scene and he is baptized as well. And then the hope heavens open up and the Holy Spirit, you know, this has got to be a crazy thing to see. But the Holy Spirit visibly, you know, drops down on Jesus, you know, and and um and a voice from heaven comes out. Oh yeah, I understand. It's a miracle setting, right? But this is God's story. And and if you're listening to God's story and you and you think there shouldn't be any miracles, then I don't know why you're you know. You're not really thinking about God, are you? God's story ought to involve miracles, but these miracles ought to have a good point. And the the point to this is, is that this Jesus, this is the real dude. This is the real action. This is the real um, main event. God's Jesus is now on center stage, exactly the way God had played it out. He pulled all these characters to warm up the scene, Elizabeth, and Mary, and Joseph, and Zechariah, and John, and Johnny has just set the stage, and now the stage is ripe and ready for Jesus to go, and when Jesus enters the stage, you gotta see it. He enters the stage numbered with the transgressors, exactly the way the prophets had said that when the Messiah comes, he will be numbered with the transgressors. And God comes into the middle of this action scene with the sinners. And, and it's so important to understand that the, the the Bible, God reveals himself to be someone, a you know, the God of the universe, but he never asks of us, what he himself won't do. So he doesn't need this baptism of forgiveness like we do, but he enters it into the middle of it because Jesus is baptized because we need baptized in repentance and forgiveness of sin. You know, Jesus is baptized because we need baptized. Jesus goes into baptism because we need to go into baptism. But it's not the literal event. It's the mindset of needing to die to ourselves and come back up in a fresh way, asking for God's mercy and asking for God's forgiveness. And, and it's so important to understand that the Bible portrays God as, as being insanely interested in the lowest places of the world and the dirtiest places in the world, that he isn't afraid to to hang out with the sinners, that he's not afraid because that's where salvation and rescue actually happens. Think about it in real world terms. A salvation or a rescue happens by actually going to those who need salvation and need rescuing. Uh, my son is reading a great book about the sea breeze one that was, uh, you know, listing, you know, off the coast of North Carolina. And this was just like 20 some years ago, but, but the, the, it was a famous scene because uh, a single helicopter ended up rescuing 26, you know, of the people, they rescued everybody off this boat, but one helicopter got 26 people. That's like a record, for one helicopter to to save, but the point is this: in order for salvation to happen, that helicopter had to go into the waves and go into the storm and go into the danger zone. Jesus Christ is God going into the great danger zone of our lives, and that is our own sin. And so, so the message that forms here that Johnny has given us is that here's Johnny. But Johnny turns around and he says, here's God, here's Jesus, ready to get into the action of saving people's lives. And that's where we're going to end our scene. Catch you next time.